My name is Susan Kohler, and I'm from Bentonville, Arkansas. My name is Buck Ferguson. I'm from Roanoke, Virginia. Hi, my name is Kara Tiffany. This is my first deployment and my very first day. Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and April is National Volunteer Month. And here at Samaritan's Purse, we're grateful for our army of volunteers. Our work truly wouldn't be possible without their dedication and selfless service to the Lord. And our volunteers fall into every age group and life stage, and I love hearing their testimonies of how God called them to serve. Sometimes it's just giving up a few hours of their time in an afternoon, but sometimes it's weeks on end. There are so many different ways to get involved, and I love hearing this aspect of our ministry. Over the past few weeks, we've seen volunteers step up and see their hearts of service um, as deadly tornadoes have devastated communities in Mississippi, Arkansas, Indiana, and Tennessee. Samaritan's Purse currently has five response locations in these four states. Hundreds of volunteers are serving every single day. And I love hearing how they're so quick to respond. The voices you just heard are people who are helping tornado victims in Mississippi. And throughout this episode, you're going to get the chance to hear from even more volunteers who have served on other responses throughout the country. First, I had the chance to sit down with Luther Harrison, the Vice President of North American Ministries, to hear how volunteers are making a difference. We know Samaritan's Purse, we couldn't do what we do without volunteers. I mean, I think every project uses volunteers, but North American Ministries especially. And so can you speak to that? Why and how are volunteers so instrumental in our work? Well, the ministry that Samaritan's Purse has come through since 1998, helping in disasters, that's when we really started deploying volunteers in larger numbers. And uh, Christy, we just now surpassed the 200,000th volunteer that's serving. So we're actually at 212,000 volunteers that have served since 1998. So. Again, this program would be absolutely worthless without the volunteers that come and do this. And, you know, through the years they've done this, they've helped over 67,000 families. And our volunteers, they're missionaries. They're meeting people in the ditch of life. They're going to them. A lot of these folks probably would never darken the doors of a church because some reason may be keeping them from it. But when they see people coming to their needs and meeting their needs and helping them and asking them, what's this joy in your heart that you have that I don't? It's Christ. It's how God is using people to go out and minister to people and share the good news of Jesus Christ in ways that we would not imagine. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's how he equally yokes people, whether it's a veteran helping a veteran or a person that's lost a child helping another person that's lost a child too. Mm-hmm. It's just God is the ultimate postmaster. God sends the right volunteers to help the families because I cannot tell you, I know how you feel unless I've been in your shoes. And you see God puts someone there that says, I have been in your shoes and I can tell you there is hope. Mm -hmm. And that's in Christ. Mm -hmm. So as we've seen the volunteers, if we lose our volunteer energy, I think the program Mm -hmm. will wither away. Mm -hmm. But the volunteers just continue to pour out. Last year, we had over 15,000 volunteers, but one of the starters to that program is over 11,000 of those volunteers had never been out with Samaritan's Purse before. Wow. So that just shows you a lot of those 4,000, they're serving over 100 days a year. There are frequent flyers that keep coming back every year and multiple storms because they love what they do. But to see 11,000 new people have that energy and get involved, that's, that's exciting. That's the future. 
Praise the Lord, the church will be ready to go out as one body of believers, non-denominational. That's what Samaritan's Purse is. I always feel we're a Christian travel agent. We need to find places that Christians can go, mm-hmm. serve the good news, and just uh, we're always going to anchor with the churches when we get to these towns. And mm-hmm. um, thank God for the church. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that really uh, just continue to support us. They continue to help us. And I just applaud the senior pastors that stand in the pulpit and push the church outside the walls to be the Mm -hmm. church, to get busy, to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And what is it like? I mean, you said 98 is when the the program started where you had volunteers, and there were probably, what, dozens of people. I mean, it was small. Uh, That first year was 50. (laughs) Wow. Uh, so we grow. I mean, and last year was 15,000. Wow. So see how God is just continually stepping the program mm-hmm. up to a bigger platform, a larger audience. And what is that? What has that taught you all? Because I feel like, you know, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You know, I think of that verse in Luke and how there is a lot of work to be done. Absolutely. Uh, there, and there are a lot of storms. Uh, but I guess, how has it encouraged your faith? And how have you watched God provide the numbers when you need it? Because I imagine relying on volunteers can be a faith, I don't know, I don't want to say it's scary, but... Well, it's you You depend on you, Christ mm-hmm. to see you through it. It's um, You put your trust yes. and hope in Christ, and we have the faith that He will send the workers because He. you see the harvest, mm-hmm. over 5,000 decisions for Christ. And I always say Dr. Billy Graham and Franklin Graham, they could preach to the thousands, mm-hmm. even Dr. Graham to the millions, mm-hmm. and you see a big harvest at that event. It's like the people we get to, they're in the muck and the mire. They're mm-hmm. sitting there in that ditch, and they're behind all the debris, and they're yard and you go to that one person and it's like that volunteer can share their faith and Mm -hmm. the chaplains come alongside of us and just show them what a relationship with Jesus is all about. Mm -hmm. I don't know how anyone could go through a storm without Jesus in their life. Mm -hmm. I mean, there there would be no hope. There's no optimism of how can I get through this on my own. Mm -hmm. I know, and I I just want people listening to know the need that Samaritan's Purse has and that we need all people. And as you mentioned, a lot of times it's just a ministry of presence. And I was just reading Job too, you know, and when the friends came to him initially, they didn't say a word. You know, they they sat with him, they cried with him, they tore their robes, and they didn't say anything because the grief was too much. And so sometimes there is time for words, but sometimes it's just sitting alongside them. It is. And each of our volunteers, I think they realize that. Mm -hmm. You can see the homeowners. um, Sometimes they're very standoffish when you get there, uh, thinking, okay, there's nothing free in this world. And these people all seem nice wearing these matching orange Mm t-shirts and say, helping in Jesus' name. But they eventually see it's like Dean Kane. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't much like volunteers. You know, I thought they were liars and trick people and stuff. But now, after they worked with him for a whole week, he said, you know, I'm starting to th- like volunteers. Mm-hmm. And he's turned his life to Christ. And that was just such a blessing to see how God will send us to some of the harder people in life that mm-hmm. are a little crusty, mm-hmm. have been... I guess, hurt by the church before, and then all of a sudden, you mm-hmm. send that people in and they see, well, this is not put on. This is not a make-believe issue. This mm-hmm. is them sharing from their heart. Mm-hmm. 
And I always like Mark 10, 45, we want to have a role model as Jesus Christ. Mm. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And, you know, we just want people to see this is why we do what we do. Once you have Jesus in your heart, you want to go share him with others. And a lot of times it's hard to go just start preaching to someone if they have a physical need. Mm -hmm. So God opens that door to let us uh, minister to them and then start letting your fruits be seen. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, faith without works, we've got to have those works. We've got to go forward and just, uh, want, we don't want to just ask Jesus into our life and sit here and say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to sit here and wait on the rapture. Mm-hmm. But no, there's other people that we get to see. And one day when we get to be in the presence of the Lord, it's going to be neat to see people that you were helped us in this storm and you helped mm-hmm. us in that storm and just a great reunion. As Luther said, we need to take action. We need to go and show the love of Jesus to people in need. One of our first-time volunteers in Mississippi is Timothy. He lives less than an hour away from where the storm hit, and when he saw the news, he knew he wanted to help. God just touched my heart to come out here and volunteer to help people. I just wanted to just just come out here and lend a hand, you know. how It's just so bad to where, you know, it just makes you want to just come help, you know, if people got a heart. You know, and, you know, like I said, I'm a firm believer in God. So, you know, I just couldn't just sit back and not do nothing. So I couldn't afford to give nothing, but I could afford to give my heart and show them that I'm sorry about what happened to them. Timothy's words are so convicting. I love how he says you don't have to have money or resources to give. You can give your heart and your service. Every time we ask our volunteers why they serve, I'm inspired by their selfless attitudes. And I want you to hear more from people in their own words. It has been uh, an incredible experience. I, uh, I truly feel like I was the hands and feet of Christ. It was an excellent opportunity. Uh, I feel like we moved the needle today uh, in several, home, uh, several families' lives uh, as we shuttered windows and, and tarped roots. Uh, roofs and just cleaned up, and I really felt as though um, we made a difference in their life. We love to serve. We love the Lord, and we love to do it with uh, with Samaritan's Purse, uh, knowing that they put always uh, Jesus at the forefront uh, and that everything is done in His name. So anywhere that Samaritan's Purse is, we try to follow uh, because, again, we know that everything that they do is to glorify the Lord, and we love to be part of that. To see the body of Christ come together and just be there. They don't need to do anything. They don't need to say anything. Just be there. Man, that's powerful. And it's so encouraging to see God work through other people in that way. The volunteers coming, that is what literally brings the light and the love of Jesus right into that home and into the neighborhood. And and they do things that I don't think that we will see um, until we're on the other side of heaven. Our volunteers really are the light to people in some of their darkest days. And one of the great things about this is that anyone can get involved. There's a job for everyone. It might be tarping a roof or sitting with a homeowner just to listen and hear their story and comfort them. You don't need any prior experience to serve as the hands and feet of Jesus. 
heard you say that expression, you know, we're like a work glove. You know, we provide, uh, they have, you have tractor trailers all over the country that have the equipment, the tools, uh, and so you'll bring it. And, you know, anyone can serve. All skill sets are needed. What can Samaritan's Purse offer and how do you equip volunteers? Well, our volunteers, we will teach them on site. We actually will take you in the field and put you under the leadership of a team leader that will keep you safe and Mm -hmm. not let you get above your skill set. If you do not know how to run a chainsaw, that's uh, usually not the day we're going to turn you loose. We have our site leadership, which is over 330 key volunteers. These folks, uh, they're the rock stars to the program. They come out, serve a minimum of three weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, We uh, support their travel to and from. Uh, We took us a while to get to that 300 goal. I've given the team, we have a new goal, 800. Mm -hmm. They said, well, that's huge. I said, well, it's always one we keep striving for, and we Mm -hmm. don't have to change it. But we have eight disaster relief trailers here in the U.S. Why not have at least 100 people that can support because not everyone can deploy when the call comes in. There may be a family situation or something going on. Mm-hmm. They can't break free. But the site leadership, they're doing everything. Office managers, the cooks, the volunteer coordinators, the team leaders, assessors, and maintenance positions. So mm-hmm. these uh, site leadership, they uh, have been in the program for many years. and. Uh, they have grown through it. And I always tell them they cannot retire until they mentor someone to take their place. Mm -hmm. And even as uh, we sit here and talk, this is sort of spring break month, Mm -hmm. and uh, we're really pushing for spring break uh, college volunteers Mm -hmm. to come out. I know Liberty University sent a great group last week to Griffin, Georgia, Mm -hmm. and tremendous to get the young college kids uh, involved in mission work. This is a time to plant that seed and watch God make it grow. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know I can't wait till my kids are old enough. How old do you have to 14, be? Fourteen is the minimum age. At 14 and 15, we need you to come with your parent. Uh, 15 16 with an adult chaperone. And as you get up to 17, you can come with still the chaperone. But 18, you're free and clear to come mm-hmm. as an adult. That's incredible. And there's no age limit. We have people that are even in their 80s, and one man was even in his 90s, and he would come out and he said, I can't get on the roofs, I can't cut trees anymore, but I can sit on a stool beside the homeowner while he watches everything he's worked hard for through the years thrown to the curb. Mm. Wow, that is awesome. And so, yeah, everybody, everybody can offer something. And we want to make it easy for everyone to serve. Once volunteers arrive on site, everything is provided from meals to housing and tools. Here's what Tina, one of our volunteers in Kentucky said, as she helped rebuild homes in Mayfield. They have thought everything through. They have housing for us, they have meals prepared for us and showers, transportation in some cases to the work site. If not, we can provide our own transportation. They have thought everything through. Uh, All you have to do is get yourself there. Um, But they've got everything covered that you would need to do your job. All you need to come is with a willing heart and hands to be helpful. Tina is in her mid-60s, and while the work is challenging and hard, she said she felt energized to keep going. We asked her if she thought the hard work was worth it. Absolutely, absolutely. When the day is done and I, or my life is done and I I step before the throne, uh, I would love to hear well done, good and faithful servant. You did did the best you could for me. And so uh, I would love to hear that. God's given us some great opportunities. Let's take advantage of each and every one that he gives us. Mm -hmm. But every homeowner, we can't be calloused. Everyone, Mm -hmm. uh, Hurricane Ian, there were so many volunteers that, bless their heart, they'd spent their entire life fortune on that dream home in sunny Florida. 
and didn't have insurance, and all of a sudden, here comes Hurricane Ian and causes total devastation to their homes, and now they're sitting there, what's next? Hmm. So we're trying to get, a lot of those are manufactured homes, we're trying to get some manufactured homes back in place, Mm -hmm. and it's just how God's uh, army keeps uh, giving of their time and talent, but the donors keep supporting us financially to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. We do not spend one dollar of government money in the United States, so there's no restrictions, no red tape on sharing the gospel mm. as we go out to meet the physical needs. And you mentioned sharing the gospel. You know, as believers, we are all evangelists. We're all, you know, I think some people don't feel qualified, but we all have, we can all tell people about Jesus and share the gospel. And I think all volunteers do. But there's also the rapid response team, you know, right. chaplains. So can you talk about that part of mentorship and volunteer Well, together, we always say we meet the physical, spiritual, and emotional needs together, and one person may uh, sort of Mm -hmm. start the ministry, and then the next person can come in right behind them and sort of finish it. Sort of like a baseball game. You say you go in and start throwing, and you get tired and Mm -hmm. put another replacement in to just keep that energy going. So a lot of our chaplains, they sit there and go with the families and just talk to them in detail and in Mm -hmm. depth. uh, just try to help them and realize most of them were in a crisis prior to the storm mm-hmm. where it was a marital issue, a health issue, an employment issue. But just show them you need to depend on Christ. He can help you get through this. He will see you through. Mm-hmm. And once you get involved in a church family, a lot of times they're going to be there as your support group. Every family we help, uh, we want to make sure that a church agrees for one year to follow up with mm-hmm. them and guide them and guard them and help them in their spiritual growth and their journey and understand there will be more storms. Even as a believer, we will face more storms, mm-hmm. but we just know we can face them with Christ at our side. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love, you know, we go in with the orange shirts and then the blue shirts. So that's the rapid response team chaplains, but they are also volunteers, correct? Yes, they are as well. They have their key leadership, the Mm -hmm. chaplain coordinators that are going out overseeing every volunteer, but those volunteers come as well. So whether it's at the Samaritan's Purse side or the Billy Graham evangelistic side, we have those volunteers that, Mm -hmm. again, you could not pay a lot of these people to come and do what you do. We had a doctor. He came out. He said, you could not pay me $100 an hour to go into one of these mud, muddy, moldy houses. Mm-hmm. He said, but I will do it for free all mm-hmm. day long. Mm-hmm. And that just shows the gift he's given. It's not to us. It's to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So they're doing it as they do it under the Lord, and they go in and just we sit back and provide them with mm-hmm. the tools and the equipment and cheer them on and make sure they're safe and they can come and serve the Lord in a big way. I love that. God has, from what I see, grown your faith and the Absolutely. teams, and and He brought who needed to come when it needed to come. But sometimes it does seem impossible when either a state has mm-hmm. multiple storms hit over and over and over, and you think, how are we going to get more volunteers? But I guess, how have you watched God supply all your needs? Well, and so 2019, the year before COVID, we had about mm-hmm. 15,000 volunteers serve that year, but the year around Easter mm-hmm. when the call came in, COVID's bad, we're not, you know, we're shutting everything down. Churches mm-hmm. said, whoa, you can't have people sleeping in these rooms mm-hmm. together. Send them home, new model. Uh, we said, all right, Lord, how do we keep going? Because the storms kept hitting. There was more tornadoes and opportunities to mm-hmm. represent him. 
And God said, watch me, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, we had 16,000 volunteers. and five, It was about 1,500 more volunteers wow. the year of COVID than the year before. And since then, he's just continued to ramp us up. And it's we see God, I mean, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we can lean on our own understanding, but we we can't do that. we got to trust in the Lord. He's going to direct our path. And every time he sends us to the exactly right host church, to the exactly right community, mm-hmm. and he sends exactly the right volunteers. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he's the conductor. He's mm-hmm. orchestrating one of the most beautiful ministries that I've ever gotten to be a part of through my mm-hmm. life. God is in the details. Time and time again, we've seen how he sends the right volunteers to the right homeowners to love on them and minister. Now I want to introduce you to Donnie. He's one of our incredible volunteers who keeps serving again and again. He's part of our site leadership team, and he often drives down heavy equipment or trucks from our base in North Carolina. Typically what I do is I go in with a truck, help set up the site, and then I stay on site. So not only do I get to go in and see the destruction and help set up the thing, I have the opportunity to actually go out and meet the people one-on-one in their houses, in their time of need. And that is, uh, it's the toughest job you will ever love. It's an incredible blessing. Um, I've cried more tears with homeowners um, from the time we drove into the parking lot and start setting up until the time I left. I love that Donnie says it's the toughest job you'll ever love. It's not easy. It's physically exhausting, emotionally, and spiritually draining. But God renews our strength every day. Alan, who is on our site leadership team and currently serving in Mississippi, shared about what it's like to deploy with Samaritan's Purse. I've kind of lost track of how many deployments. It's been about five years since I first deployed in North Carolina, and probably 15 or so altogether. So it's always good to be back, and it becomes a big family, really. You just see people you've served with in the past, and it's just so much fun to pat people on the back and say, hey, we were together in such and such town, and and we tell stories, and then we praise the Lord together. So it's one of those things you hear people say you just really have to be there, but the the best thing I can say is we we go to serve and help and bless other people, and we really do find that we are blessed way more than any blessing we give to other people. If you can just imagine what it does to your faith when you you talk to a homeowner that has just lost everything, and they look at you and say, "We're still fine, and God is good." And that does something for me that I can't describe as it brings your faith. And I tell people sometimes, ma'am, I don't think I'm a good enough man to say what you just said, but you have increased my faith tenfold because you've gone through this and you still say God is good. That gives me hope that if I'm facing that, I can do the same thing. What Alan said really hit home for me. I feel the same way. With every interview I do, my faith has increased as I hear people's testimonies in the midst of tragedy and service. We asked him what it's like serving after the tornado. Well, uh, this storm has devastated, I mean completely devastated homes. So today we've 
we've cut up a giant tree that was in the yard so it can be cleared and, and the, the limbs removed and the debris removed from the house. We've searched through a home and we've uh, found personal belongings. And one special thing, when we present the Bible after a while, the homeowner had to leave to go to an errand, but she said, my wedding album is in the rubble. Could you guys look for it? Well, they found it while she was gone, and we're going to get to give it to her after a while when we present the Bible. That's going to be so cool for her to get her wedding album back that our girls found under a pile of debris. I mean, they were standing in the bathroom on the floor. They hit the floor when the tornado hit. Almost the whole house is gone except the bathroom, and we're looking at it right here. Can you imagine what they were experiencing and how they prayed and how they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God protected them? And so and we got to hear their story today. I mean, who gets to do that? When you're deploying with Samaritan's Purse, you hear those kind of stories every day. So what a blessing it is for us. You can hear the joy and excitement as they're prepared to give the homeowner a little bit of normalcy back. It's so important to cover these responses in prayer. And so I asked Luther how we could be praying for our teams. And finally, I just can't close without without prayer. You know, Absolutely. how can we be praying since you've been on the on the ground? Uh, there are multiple teams working right now as we speak. How can we pray for our teams and kind of what yeah, what hardships do they face that we can be praying for? Well, number one, I think the hardship they see is the spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, just pray for the armor that they will put on each and every day, that they will keep that armor on that God provides for them. But pray for their safety. Pray as they go out. Um, a lot of people are more hesitant to want the church's involvement, but I think as they go out, give them opportunities that the Lord would open doors wide for them to go and share, and just that the Lord would uh, send more laborers out into the harvest. As Luther shared, we need to be praying for our volunteers as they serve. In fact, right now, you can specifically be praying for our teams in Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Indiana. They are all responding to devastating tornadoes. And we also have rebuild teams working in Kentucky. Pray for their protection and that God would open the doors for them to be a light in these communities. And I also hope this challenges you to think about volunteering. You can go to our website, SamaritansPurse.org, to sign up or to get more information. Thank you so much for listening today. Let's go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus in our communities. Thank you. Thank you.